This week on Excelsior Journeys, my guests are Mike Jensen and Elise Castle, the co-hosts of the We Couldn't Help But Wonder podcast, a celebration of the HBO series Sex and the City. And with the upcoming reboot and just like that, we have quite a bit to talk about, including what prompted them to start this podcast together, the listenership that grew and grew, all of the different elements that were added to the show at request of the listeners and a little bit about what is to come of the show in the future. So JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire. And you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for and you? And that's why I moment? taught myself how to draw. It was actually the little mermaid. Drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than so die. He jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater with and saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm sex. rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw yeah. some spaghetti yeah. against the wall. See this if it sticks. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for tuning in for over 100 episodes. Still can't believe how far this show has gone, and it's not stopping anytime soon. It's safe to say that this is a pretty packed episode of Excelsior Journeys this week. I not only have my wife, Cheryl, joining me in the recording studio, aka my office's walk-in closet. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so much for being here. Hello. But I also have two guests on this episode. But before I introduce them, I want to take you back to December 31st, 2000. A lot's going on in the Soroy family. The Giants were just two wins away from getting to the Super Bowl. But more importantly, my sister Tara was getting married. She wanted to make it a New Year's Eve wedding so we could all enjoy the ceremony, party during the reception, and then welcome the New Year together. And unfortunately, that would not be the case. The partygoers left by 10. And so I spent my New Year's Eve in a motel just outside of Baltimore. And the only thing I could watch was a Sex in the City marathon on HBO. It was up to the third season when I sat down on the bed and started watching. And much to my surprise, I wound up really enjoying the show. I wasn't a weekly watcher from then on, but I made a point to be there for the final eight episodes. And I got myself eventually caught up on my own time. Flash forward several years. I'm married. We make the move from New York City to St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm completely dialed into the wonderful world of podcasting. I'm always on the lookout for new shows to listen to and some specific episodes to download so Cheryl and I can play them while driving to and from work. And one random day, Cheryl, who, by the way, is a huge Sex and the City fan, does a Google search for images of the infamous clown table in Carrie's apartment. And that image leads her to discovering a podcast called We Couldn't Help But Wonder, a celebration of Sex and the City. And she knew this would be our next regular podcast to enjoy during any time we were in the car. Months pass, we go through one episode after another, and by the end of it, this was one of our favorite shows. And I knew I had to get podcasters Elise Castle and Mike Jensen on my show. And from what we could hear, they had a lot of fun working together and bringing this whole series to fruition. And to this day, there are still fans that want to know what happens next. So it's such a thrill to have both Elise and Mike, the co-hosts behind We Couldn't Help But Wonder, to not only talk about this show that introduced Elise to the HBO series, but also about what's to come of the show in the future. So without further ado, it's time for me to say hi, Elise Castle, and hey, Mike Jensen. Hi. Hello. Hey. I, I do remember. I think you messaged us on Facebook about the clown table, and that's like what brought you to the podcast, and I forgot <laughs> that. I didn't. 
Oh, the cl- so you also were concerned about the clown table and what she was talking about. Yes, because I was watching it one night. It, it's funny because George actually introduced me to Sex and the City mm-hmm. when I moved up to New York. And I was like, oh, I don't watch chick shows, whatever. And I actually ended up really liking it. And when my daughter was born or when our daughter was born early, she was in the NICU and then she came home. So she had like restless nights. And I was like, oh, let's put on something familiar. And so we started rewatching Sex and the City on all those sleepless nights. And so that's when you're able to like pay attention to more things Mm -hmm. because it's not your first time seeing it. And then I was like, what's this clown table they talk about? And so I did a Google search for the clown table and a picture of it was on Google images and it linked to your Facebook page. And I was like, what is this page? This is amazing. Like they're chatting about sex in the city. And I read the, the intro or your about section. And it was how Mike introduced Elise to, or Mike introduced you to, the the series and I was like oh George this is exactly how it went for us we have to watch this or we have to listen to this and yeah we love it yeah and and I'm I'm so thrilled to have both of you here too to talk not only about the show itself but also how the podcast came to being so before we dive into the very beginning of it all talk about a little bit about what is going on currently in the world of Mike and Elise. Well, we right now we had finished wrapping on the second movie of Sex in the City. Like and, mm-hmm. and we were kind of wondering like what are we going to do next? Are we going to do anything next? And then they decided to do a reboot. So, mm-hmm. we're going to be covering those episodes. We're not sure exactly the format of that's going to be because the format of this show is that I had never seen Sex in the City and Mike had. So now we're going to have to figure out something a little different because we're going to be watching it at the same time. We don't think it would be that great for Mike to watch it now. And then like 20 years from now, let's do a podcast about it. Like, <laughs> we can't watch this. We have to figure this out. So as of now, we Mike, if you want to talk about what you've been up to with the Mike and Vanya show. Yeah, well, I've been working on a, a different podcast with a friend of mine, Vanya. We have a show called Mike and Vanya Can't Not that actually just wrapped up its first season. We're taking a little bit of a break now. And that's been fun and a really different journey that I don't know that I would have done if I hadn't have first taken this podcast journey with Elise. And yeah, I we, we really haven't exactly figured out how we're going to cover the new, I want to say new episodes, but really it's new series in general. Mm-hmm. It'll be a different format from our previous, but uh, I think we're going to kind of plan a bit, but also just sort of like let ourselves explore and then see how the new series goes. I'm super looking forward to it as every day passes. I'm more and more excited for the new series to start up. Yeah. And it's uh, December 9th, right? That's when it that's when it premieres. Yes. December 9th. It's going to be a Thursday night show. In the past, it was always a Sunday night show. Uh, that's right. So that's we're, right. We're, we're swapping the weekend for a formerly must-see TV territory. Hmm. And as far as like podcasts go too, there's been many thoughts in my brain, even with Mike, where we're like, okay, so what do we do next? What do we do next? And it's hard because this show was so iconic for so many people. And it is like such a huge part of so many people's lives that it was really hard for us to think of another show that Mm -hmm. could do that. So I'm glad that HBO was like, we need these people to have more to talk about. So we're going to do it. <laughs> we, appreciate, we, were really we appreciate HBO. Yeah. 
So I didn't realize, are they only releasing it week by week? It's not going to be like a full release where you can binge watch it? That's my understanding is it's going to be wow. an old fashioned week to week release, everything, Oops. which I appreciate. I'm a fan. I know, not, <laughs> I know people like a binge. I'm not a binge fan. I enjoy my weekly rollout. I'm old yeah. fashioned that way. Yeah, he still gets the Netflix DVDs and a hard copy of Entertainment Weekly. Oh nice. My gosh. <laughs> But that's true. <laughs> so both of you are both of you are from somewhere else, right? And then you uh, both moved to New York. Yeah, I'm originally from the Detroit area in Michigan, and I moved to New York in 2008. Mm-hmm. And then and I am from what I affectionately refer to as the Oregon, Idaho armpit of Washington state, a deep, deep <laughs> southeast Washington state. And I moved to New York in the year 2000. Excellent. Wow. Excellent. So the what I always call the lightning bolt moment really kind of really works in terms of comparing it with this show as well. It also works regarding the whole location for it. So I always talk about the, what I always refer to as the lightning bolt moment, which is that moment in time when someone experiences something, see something, hears something, meets someone and just points in that direction and says like, that's what I want to do. That's the kind of life I want to leave. That's the kind of life I want to lead. That's the kind of person I want to be. So for New York, what was it about the two? What was it about New York for the I, I had wanted to move to New York for like almost my entire life. And I, I, I can't even tell you exactly why, other than the fact that I've done theater for most of my life. And I knew that mm-hmm. this is where theater happened. But I moved to New York sight unseen. I'd never visited. I didn't know anyone who lived here. I, at the time, was actually living in Atlanta with my cousin. Oh, and wow. I just sort of like made a plan, like made like a four month plan to pack up a U-Haul and I print out all of my directions from MapQuest and I had them on the seat next to me as I as I drove from Atlanta to New York. Once again, never been here. I put all my stuff in storage and had a friend of a friend that was letting me crash on their couch for a little bit. And but I'll I'll tell you what, like I got here and I I looked around the <laughs> the U-Haul in Flushing, Queens, and I thought, yes, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I've I've never I've never doubted it since. New York is New York is my home. Excellent. Excellent. Elise? Um, I actually have like a story that I thought was pretty much like everyone else's until I tell people and they're like, that is a movie. So (laughs) I also have a degree in theater and musical theater, and I didn't plan on moving to New York City. I planned on either staying in Michigan for a little bit or moving to Chicago because it was closer to home. And Mm -hmm. I graduated college. I did like a year of summer stock theater. And then my friends and I decided it was during the recession that if we're going to wait tables in Michigan, we might as well wait tables in New York City because we were like, we're not making any money here. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll make some money there and we might as well go big. So my friends and I all waited tables for a year in Michigan. Work, I worked like double six days a week to save money. And then in order to save the rest of our money, me and my six best friends from college put on a show, like full on Brady Bunch style. We actually called it the Broadway Bunch in Michigan. It was a two night musical theater show that we put together with a music director friend of ours. We ended up raising a really good amount of money, enough that we could pay for our U-Hauls. We had two U-Hauls. And then we took a week in August to find apartments. We were going to find two apartments, one for like the first group of us and one for the other group of us. And knowing what I know now, that's insane. Like giving yourself one week to find an apartment in a city that you don't live in with no job in that city. So we, it was 
so scary and so hard. And we somehow found it. I, I told my landlord when I was looking for an apartment in Queens, I was like, I'm a very good waitress. I promise I'll get a job when I live here. And we didn't have co-signers or anything. So we're just sitting here and he believed me. And I ended up living in that apartment until April of this year. Like I lived in that apartment the whole time I was in New York. And yeah, we packed all our stuff in, in these two U-Hauls that were paid for by our musical theater show we put on and mm-hmm. drove across the town September 21st of 2008 or across the country. And then I found a job waiting tables in Times Square like five days later. Yeah. And that's, that's all. And I, out of that group, am the only one left in New York. I have one friend that like kind of lives here part-time and then her and her fiance live in Florida, but I am, uh, I win the last one standing. So. Excellent. I love that. And I would totally watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, you should, yes, you should write a screenplay about it. Yeah. I mean, I always think of it as being like, yeah, this is what you did. Like, no, you put on a show, gave yourself a week to find an apartment and told like your elderly landlord that you promised you'd get a job and he like took a chance on you like that's a like, that's like a weird lifetime movie like, that's okay. one of those that's one of those weird like th- those weird moments where all it takes is just one person to say yes yeah and they have no idea that they are going to impact you in such a way yeah. Yeah. that's that's real that's really awesome and you also were part of an improv group right yeah i did a, a sketch comedy yeah i do And actually that we are getting, we're writing a show right now. So hopefully we'll be doing some performances in the uh, upcoming year. Excellent. What's it called? The group is called The Defiance. And it was started also another one of those weird moments where like I I did a show in the New York Fringe Festival in 2010 Mm -hmm. and we got accepted to the like the encores round, which is like a big, like where like the, the, I'm using like the successful or the better shows. I don't know. Whichever shows like we're doing really well, they let you go on to this thing. And then you all share a huge dressing room. And I shared a dressing room with this actor who we just clicked really well. And he was like, I think you're funny. We should like do something. I'm like, okay. And he was originally from LA and he had this friend from LA who did sketch comedy and was writing a show. And so now I think it's been, it's now 12 years later and me and that guy are still writing shows together and I'm the only one left out of that group too. So it's kind of, <laughs> I, I stay with things for a long time, but yeah, we're really excited about it. So that'll probably next year, we were doing shows at the pit and oh, wow. we were one of the house teams there, but we were doing like shows there, but they're no longer, their main stage is no longer open. So we're going to have to find oh. it. One of my, one of my friends actually had uh, had his, his own improv group there for quite yeah. a while. Yeah. And so that's, that's a shame that they don't have the main stage there anymore. Yeah. Improv, uh, I, I did, I did like the improv classes at UCB. It, I just could never like really get into improv that much. Improv makes Mike Jensen very nervous. <laughs> I'm sweating right now. I, like just I talking know, about it. I'm my, like, my Mike, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mike, I know exactly what you're talking about. My first class at Mary Manhattan College studying theater. It was it was theater games and improvisations. That's what that's what it was called. I'm still surprised that I got as high a grade that I did because I just there's something about improv just going without a net and everything. That's really, really intimidating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to say quickly, I have a ton of respect for those that do improv. Yeah, I think, same. It's, I think oh, it's very yeah. impressive. I also, the couple of times that I've done it, I've done surprisingly well. Like, I'm not bad at it. It just, I think it's just like the theory of it more than anything. I just like, it makes me a little bit dizzy. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like with stand up comic, stand up yeah, uh, sure. stand up comedy. Yeah, I love yeah, I love the art of it, and but, I feel yeah. the same way. It makes me nervous. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. I bet yeah. there's well, definitely a six six degrees of separation between you and Elise and Mike because so many people that are still involved in theater ups in New York. Yeah, and then they're heavily involved. So yeah, and and Mike, you also you uh, said you would study theater as well, correct? I did more music. I studied music in college, vocal jazz and theory to be uh, specific. Oh, wow. And I did theater, but I was involved in a music program that was really, really intense. It was, you couldn't really study both. So I studied music. And then in my, when I had extra time, I would audition and do shows usually in the summer. So less training as far as that goes and more, more on the music side of things. But I love theater. I mean, theater is, is my church. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And now you you were talking about working over in Times Square. Mike, were you also working around there as well? Come on, everyone's, I feel like every New Yorker's first restaurant job has to be, yeah, I was at a, a very exclusive restaurant called Chevy's on 42nd <laughs> and 8th Avenue. Chevy's, uh, Very nice. fancy, yeah. Chevy, I was there for about a year. You got to serve your time. You got to serve your time in your in have I, have either of you, kind of restaurants. Have either of you worked at Ellen's? No, that I have, I have friends that work there and, but I, that's an, an that's also an intimidating job. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what, where Dave worked, right? That's where Dave, yeah. My, <laughs> our friend, uh, Dave Havasey, he worked there for about two days and he wound up getting fired because he wouldn't wait on anyone. He would just keep grabbing the mic and just performing. So he wasn't actually waiting on anyone. So it was just like, all right, I think you're done here. And so, that's funny. Uh, I, I, yeah, I had a friend who, named Ellen who worked at Ellen's and she worked there for quite a while. And I went and saw her a couple of times and it's, it was very impressive server who then would pick up a mic and break into defying gravity and then go back to waiting tables. Nice. We had, we had, we've, we've gone there several times. My mother loves to go there whenever we're, whenever we were, when we were living in the city and she would come in to visit, we would always wind up going to Ellen's. And there was one time you'll, you guys will appreciate this. So we're sitting down, we're having, we're having our lunch and everything. And then all of a sudden one of the waiters starts up and he starts singing today for you from rent. And the whole time I'm looking at, at Cheryl and just like, he's singing about killing a dog. Well, <laughs> while we're all having lunch <laughs> and actually saying like, as sure as I'm here, that dog is now in doggy hell. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I felt like mortified. I was just like slinking down in my seat while, while he was singing. <laughs> And now our four-year-old sings it and she thinks it's just a song about dogs. And I'm like, no, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not quite. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's kind of right. It is a song about dogs, but not, <laughs> not exactly what we were looking for. So, so with all, so with all the craziness that comes into Times Square, what brought the two of you together? Another restaurant, but not in Times Square. I, we both worked on a restaurant on the Upper West Side and I trained Mike. You know, I had been there a little yeah, bit. She, she trained me several nights in a row. And I, it was my first time training at a, I'd worked at a restaurant for like nine or 10 years. So it was my first time training in a very long time. And I was very nervous, but at least took good care of me. Oh, Except for when I almost uh, killed him. Except with she him. almost killed me. That is true. She did feed me poison. That is true. <laughs> my cousin, my, my I thought it was skinny and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mike has a gluten allergy. And at the time we had a grain salad on the menu, which very clearly has, clearly has gluten yeah <laughs> but it was like quinoa which is gluten-free and wheat berry which for some reason i was like i don't know if wheat berries are gluten-free i'll check we had to- not. 
they're not at all. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a mistake. So it was like an extra grain salad. And I was like, I'll go check for you. And Mike was so hungry that he was like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And he just ate. Here's the thing: people don't people don't know this about restaurants. Your waiter is so hungry. Like your your person waiting on you is starving because you don't get to eat. Like you're there <laughs> and everyone's eating. So at the end of the shift, I was like, I'm just so hungry. I'm just gonna, I think that it's I think it's fine. And then of course later was like, yeah, no, that wasn't a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> so despite that, the two of you bonded uh-huh. bonded really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we. We got along really well. And at that time, like there was a small group of people there. So you start to like, it's a restaurant job. If you ever worked at a restaurant, these people become very, very close to you. And Mike and I got along. We both like theater. We both had a similar sense of humor. And yeah. And the, I don't know if we want to get to like how the idea came about or is that. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're we're definitely talking about that. (laughs) So what that happened, it was actually pretty, Mike had worked for a long time on a podcast called theater people. And Mm. he worked behind the scenes with that, doing a lot of the producing and, and Mike is very passionate about like TV and movies. And the first time Mike and I actually hung out, I made the grave mistake of asking him something about Madonna's Evita. And I think Mm. that he talked to me about it for a very, very long time. <laughs> Mike is a huge Madonna fan, a huge Evita fan. And he is so smart. I mean, you can hear it on our podcast, but he's mm-hmm. so smart and well-spoken and like knows all these details and things that I, if you also hear on the podcast, don't. And so I would always ask him at work, like, Mike, you should do a podcast. You should do a podcast called Mike's Thoughts because he has so many intelligent thoughts about like, TV and film and movies. And he's like, yeah, but what would I talk about? Like there's, I just talk about a TV show. Like there's no TV show I would ever really want to just like talk about. And then he had mentioned one day, the only TV show I would ever want to talk about is sex in the city. And very casually as I'm bringing something in, I'm like, I've actually never seen that show. He's like, you've never seen sex in the city. And I'm like, there's the hook. (laughs) Yeah. And then I don't remember Mike. I don't know if you remember, I remember but we were like, wait, we should do this thing. Yeah, Great. I think that pretty, yeah, because I, I used to just like, I would say a random thing and Elise would just go, Mike thoughts. And that sort of became like a running, <laughs> like, like punchline of like my, my, my podcast for one at that, at that point. And then, yeah, I remember I had that conversation and because here's the thing about Sex in the City. And I think this sort of harkens back to us talking about why we were never able to find another project to do. Love it or hate it. There's never been anything like Sex in the City as far as impact, but mm-hmm. also like the specifics of being such a New York show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's, there's nothing else you can really point to. Uh, certainly nothing that like lasted for any substantial period of time. Right. So I think that when it was bring and, and it's been a go-to of mine. I mean, I watched it when it premiered. I watched the first episode the night that it was on HBO and I've watched it live, so to speak, ever <laughs> since then. Wow. And it's kind of my go-to of comforts. Like when I'm sad or when I'm bored or when I just need to like pass a little bit of time, I'll pop in the DVDs. Yes, I own all the DVDs and watch Sex in the City. And- Me too. Me too. <laughs> and I can't so I, I can't think, stand, yeah. and I can't stand the menu too. Like how you have to like manually uh, <laughs> flip from one episode to another. So. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So I think that when I think that when I sort of mention that of like, well, that's the one show that would make kind of sense. That I live in New York. I love New York. It would be interesting to examine this show as someone who lives here now. And then and I think that at least just New York that, show, it's not New York on a soundstage. Like it's not it was, friends. Right. Yeah. It's not exactly New York. 
<laughs> right. And I, for the record, also love Friends, but like Friends mm-hmm. is an LA, New York show. And yeah. Sex in the City is a New York, New York show. And yes, I, it is also a little bit fantastical. And I'm not, you know, going to say like, it's exactly what my life is like. <laughs> I think that I think that when Elise said that she'd never seen it, I think that it came together really quickly. I think honestly, I was just sort of like, oh, well, that's the show. We have mm-hmm. it. Like there's, that's all we have to do. Let's figure out how, how to make that work. And I feel like it happened really, really fast, Elise. Is that your memory too? Yeah, I remember you were like, okay, we have to put things in a calendar. You were like, we have to, mm-hmm. by this day, we have to have this done. By this day, we have to have this done. And I was like, okay, all right. And Mike's very good friend, uh, Patrick Hines, hosts many a podcast. And he was very helpful with us in the beginning of being like, yeah, this, this is how you could do this and put a little bit of advertise, like let us advertise on one of his shows. I think theater people was still happening at the time too. Cause I remember I was very excited that we had our own ad on an episode that Leia Salongo was on. Nice. <laughs> <Gotcha>. Nice. It's <laughs> great. And so, so Mike, did you kind of look at this as an excuse to watch the show again, or were you so fluent in it that you didn't even need to go back to these? It was a little bit of both. I mean, it was a nice, I'll always take an excuse to watch a show like this again. But I think it was also, I think as much as I sort of protested, like, what would I do a podcast on? I did kind of want to do something. I mean, I'd, I'd been in the background of a couple other podcasts for a few years. And it wasn't like that was not not wanting to take over those like that wasn't really what I wanted to do. But the idea of what project would make sense. So I think that when this came up, it gave me two things. A, it gave me a project. It gave me a like, okay, well, this is a thing that I would like to put my voice out in the world about. It also, I liked the fact that it was finite. Like I liked the fact that like it was going to have a beginning and an end. And granted that's now kind of changed a little bit, but I liked that it was a project that had form, that there was, there's this beginning, there are the two movies at the time, it gave a goal. It gave a final goal to get to. Yeah. Mike yeah. is very structured. That's great. I'm very structured. I live, I live, I, I need a certain amount of structure or I get a little bit in my own head and a little bit crazy. That's kind of where I am right now in my own head and a little bit crazy when I'm trying to not, only, <laughs> not only, not only constantly like trying to make sure that I got everything going with this show, but also with my secondary show right now, my little national podcast post month show um, that I'm doing every day through November and a little bit in December. So it's, it's, it's pretty nuts, but at the same time, somehow it's all getting done. But I think also that that speaks to, and we might get more to this later. And what what Elise was saying about the calendar is that you, when you want to do something like that, you have to set goals. You have to Mm -hmm. say like, this has to be done by this. This has to be done by this. Remember, even when we were just starting up and trying to like figure out the host site and figure out even things like the, the page that we were working on, it, it's really easy to not do things. Yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah. really easy to be like, never mind. This is too hard. Like it, it takes effort to push through and get to even the beginnings of a final project. Mike and I are both creative people <clears throat> in New York that have s- probably been a part of so many things, ideas that are like, all right, we're going to do this thing. And then it fizzles out and it fizzles out for many, many reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think what was important to us was that we kept going with this project. And even as far as podcasts go, like there's so many pods that like start and then just like, fall off. Oh, yeah. Sex and the City podcasts that have started and fallen off. And like, we did this every single week for almost three years. And, um, 
it was helpful that we worked together because we were able to be like, okay, we're going to do this. And then I think it was Thursdays for a long time. We would like record on Thursdays and then go to work. And then sometimes we would record and get nachos, Brussels sprout nachos, <laughs> which we still need. We were supposed to do Bru- that this week, but wait, I got Bru- Brussels sprout nachos. What? They're amazing. Trust they're amazing. me. Ever, if you're ever yeah. in New York, Hell's Kitchen, Brussels sprout nachos, they're incredible. Yeah. The restaurant is called Hell's Kitchen. That's where we go. And they, yeah, they're, they're incredible. Nice. Okay. Well, it's also really important when planning a podcast or having a successful podcast is having a good dynamic and also having a good structure because George listens to a bunch of podcasts and he's like, you should try to get into them or like we, because we commute together. And so we, we try a bunch of different podcasts from time to time. And if they just do not have good chemistry or good stage presence, I guess you could say it's an, it's, like it's infuriating it, it, like, it, it is it's like, like walking they, through mud you're like get on with it already like enough with it and they're just very monotone and you guys are so pleasant to listen to like you're just very enjoyable because you do have I, I guess maybe perhaps it's your theater background I don't know but it helps it does have, like you're very entertaining and you're very personable and it's just very enjoyable to listen to. And Mike, we even listened to a little bit of your other podcast that you just, you said that you just wrapped up season one and that's also very enjoyable, but the dynamic that you and Elise have, I love it. Thank And I think a lot of it too, is like, we do like each other and our personalities, people have asked me like, are, are you guys making anything up or like, cause I, when you listen to it, we've developed almost these roles where like, Mike's more of the straight man who knows everything. And I'm the one who we've come to find doesn't really know a lot about anything when it comes to movies and TV. And I promise you, I am not making this up. Like, I wish I could say that like it was an act and that I wasn't actually sitting in the back of our friend's car saying, I know what Gwyneth Paltrow is, but I can't figure out who she is. Um, but it's not. And we did get one review once that said, do these two even like each other? <laughs> Which I immediately wow. screenshot and sent to Mike. Like we, yeah. That is so weird because like when I hear the show, I'm just like, they sound like best friends. And it's, I don't know. It's, I love it. Oh yeah. 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 Thank you. So, so tell us a little bit about sitting down for that first time, recording that first episode. What was the, what was the feeling like in the room? Did you feel that you had something right from the start or was it something that you just wanted to kind of test the waters on? What was the, I also have a follow-up question. Did you always record together or was it separate how we're doing now? Or has that just been since COVID? Yeah. So we recorded the first few episodes actually in the back room of the restaurant that we worked at at the time I don't know why we thought that was the best idea that I had to like (laughs) all the recording so we didn't really know because like I said Mike had Mike had been working with theater people for a a while and um they would always record I think at like Ripley Greer like studios right like studios for the most part yeah some some dressing rooms but a lot of studio work too so it was always their guests were working actors so they would bring the stuff like on location to those things so i think mike having that probably in his brain i think we just thought like 
I don't know. We needed a quiet general location. So we were like, well, let's do it there, which proved to not be a quiet general location. Actually, no, it was a bad episode, idea. <laughs> um, not only was I eating a sandwich, but I think you could hear like ice machines going off. It was like, not, <laughs> I don't know why we, and then eventually Mike was like, I think we can just do this at my apartment. So nice. the, after that, we just started recording in Mike's bedroom and we did every episode except for one that we had to sit around his coffee table with one microphone. I don't remember why that oh. happened. <laughs> something had gone terribly wrong and it was something had gone wrong with the recording equipment or maybe maybe even my computer wasn't working at the time. And the only it was either we weren't going to record the episode and we were going to miss the week mm-hmm. or we were going to use one microphone like plugged into my phone i think it was cute so we had like a wow. back and forth something like that yeah it was very i don't know that it's our best work i'd be interested to go back i've never gone back and listened to any of the episodes and i i have thought about that recently of it would be interesting to like take take my own journey along this but i remember yeah i remember us having to make it that do but for the most part we recorded here in this room where i am now and i will say thinking about that first episode I actually feel like you can hear it really early on when I talk about why Sex in the City had been important to me. And then mm-hmm. I ask Elise why she hadn't watched it. And her response was that she was in band practice in junior high. <laughs> and it made me laugh because I hadn't really thought of, there were so many things when we first started that I hadn't thought about. And that was just one of them. But like, she was just younger than me. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I... I was kind of young to be watching it, but she was, she would have been very young to be watching it. And it was yeah. just little things like that, that early on, like I even think in that first episode where Elise points out Carrie seeing an ex of hers and she has to go over and talk to him. And mm-hmm. to me, that's not weird because I watched it in 98 when that's what you would have to do. But the right. fact that Elise is of the mindset of like, no, you would find him on Facebook or you would like stalk him <laughs> online somehow or maybe send a text message but of course, my brain didn't see any of that because I'm looking at it with the mind of someone who watched it when it came out. So we did, we did, there was moments in the first episode where I really did think, oh, no, we have there's something here. Like there is there is stuff to explore here. Yeah. Yeah. And now I now I feel like we need to go back to that first episode and listen for the ice machine to see if to see if the mic if the mic picked it up. Mike's a very good editor. So it's probably I'm a good probably- I'm a good editor, but I will say, I feel like Elise, I feel like you just uh, threw yourself on the sword. I'm pretty sure I was eating the sandwich. I think that I was oh. the irresponsible <laughs> one who had not eaten, who had not eaten before and was like surreptitiously like Elise would talk and I would like lean away and then come back chewing and try to like, yeah, I, I think that I was the irresponsible one in that situation. Yeah. Just, and I, rem- and I just- remember too. <laughs> With those first episodes, we were still trying to figure out our format too. Like originally we thought we would talk about it. We'd talk about the fashion. We'd talk about the people. We'd talk about like all these different categories. And it was actually a listener that wrote in and said like, you guys should end each episode with what you couldn't help but wonder. And we were like, that's great. And so, yeah. That's yeah. great that that a listener was able to bring that suggestion. And that's actually ties into what I was going to ask next. So you have the show out there. You have a few episodes in. Was the did the listenership slowly grow? Was there were there a lot of people that were really kind of clamoring for something Sex in the City related and they just heard you and just started latching on? Or was this something that uh, there was a nice slow burn of like getting that getting that audience slowly growing as it went? 
I do think that our, like we had kind of hyped it up for a while. We had been like posting things on our personal social media page. We had our original commercial, I guess, was running on theater people for a minute and maybe like another podcast. So there were people that were like already, and Mike set up a commercial on the podcast page so that you could subscribe to it before we released our first episode. But at the time, Mike and I were never concerned when we were making this thing, we were never concerned about like trying to get advertisers, which we don't have like any advertisements on any of our podcasts. And people are like, why didn't you guys do that? And this, because at the time we were like, this is a show from 20 years ago that we're talking about. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not, we understood it wasn't true crime. Like people aren't going to be rushing to like, just listen to a sex in the city podcast. And it was important for us to make sure that this was good before we tried to like do anything else with it. And we just wanted to do the thing. So yeah, it was definitely a slower pickup of listeners, but we had a good amount of listeners. And then actually over the pandemic and recently with the reboot, like our listenership has just gone up too, which is cool. Yeah. And yeah, we're definitely in that, in that group there because I haven't, having discovered it late, but at the same time, being able to binge it as much as much as we have because we'll go on we'll go on different road trips or anything and it'll always be just like do you have the next episode synced up and it's like yep i'm all set so so we can just go ahead and, and start right from where we left off so it's a lot of fun now one of the fun one of the really fun things that so that we enjoy hearing at the beginning of each episode is a little segment called but hold on and which has taken on quite the life of its own. How did that start up? I'm a child. Anything, yeah, anything <laughs> that's yeah, anything that's punny. We were talking earlier about about Elise and I and our chemistry. And here's the thing: we I don't want to say that either one of us fit entirely in one category or the other. But I do think in general, whether or not Elise wants to say that she does the improv or she is a yes-ander. Like Elise is someone who hears something and has a thing to say about it. She has a, oh, I can, I have somewhere to go with this. And I do think that I'm a little bit more on the structure. Let's make sure we hit every point of the episode. So we kind of, I think, knew our roles fairly early on and as, and we're able to like settle into those. But anything that's anything that's like, I'm funny. I think that I'm funny, but like anything that's like funny was Elise. (laughs) Yeah. And I also have, I grew up listening to Weird Al. Nice. With my brother. (laughs) Like we went to many a Weird Al concert. You went to a Uh, concert? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Multiple. One of my like first writing jobs in New York City was working with helping write parodies with drag queens. So like my brain will hear things and then I immediately think of like, how can I change this to make? And I did like copywriting for a little bit. So like I have that weird brain where it's like, I just never, I don't know. It's messed up in a lot of ways, but female you (laughs) pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) And I also have gone to the concerts. I haven't. (laughs) And I also have like a, real you know it's just like a dumb sense of humor too at times so we I think we were just sitting there and I I was like but hold on and I was thinking like because we often said like but hold on because I was like wait there's something else to be said here and then one day I said it and I was like that sounds like I'm saying but hold on and there's an episode where I think like the 
the birth of it happens, right? Where I say like butthole Don coming down and it's like this, <laughs> this guy and this and that. And so then we just decided that butthole Don is an actual person. And it just means like, this is where we're going to talk about the things that we forgot about. That's fantastic. <laughs> Oh man. So as it's going on, like you guys are really, it's, it's, it gets like just a blast to listen to like right from the start, really. But then like, as it's going on, you can hear both of you really kind of getting really comfortable in your roles. We can definitely, and Elise, that's, I think that's when I, we started hearing the, the uncanny Steve impression. Sounds like Ritz a rat. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so as it's going on, like you're, you're getting through season two, season three, season four, season five, as short as it is. And then season six starts. And do you have this kind of feeling just like, do we want this ride? Is it even though that there is like an end game going on because they're just like Mike said, there are those two movies after the show and with no direction of what, what's going to happen with the show afterwards. So was there a feeling of just like, what else can we do? Did you start thinking about that right away? I think we the listeners did for sure yeah they were reaching out all the time like what's next i'm going to be so sad when this is done and i and i grew to really like this show and i never didn't like it and that was very important to us from the beginning too it's like we're not going to hate watch this like this isn't Mm -hmm. something i think that happens a lot of times where people are like i'm going to watch this show and like find all the reasons to talk bad about what they did wrong and sex in the city did some things wrong and they're very open about that. Darren Starr and Sarah Jessica Parker have both come out and been like, yeah, we would have done this completely differently. But it was very important for us to be like, no, we want this show to be for the fans. And so we're going to talk about it and and like try to let you like try to learn some new things with you. And like Mike said, I was very young when the show started. So I was watching it then as a woman in her third or now as a woman in her thirties, the same age as these women. And I felt like I was growing with them. And there were so many things that I was like, my life would align with sex in the city in a lot of ways. And it was funny because I would be like quoting sex in the city in 2020 and everyone else is like, yeah, 2000 and late. (laughs) Yeah, I was definitely growing to like this. And I, and there was a part of me that didn't want the show to end because I enjoyed what Mike and I were doing. And I also enjoyed the show. Mike probably will say like, no, I was ready for this to be done. Get her out of my bedroom. (laughs) Mike. I, I mean, short answer. Yes. (laughs) No, the short answer. I, but like I said, part of the reason that I wanted to do this particular project was because it had an end to it because I, If we had, if there had been something else that had made a ton of sense and we toyed with ideas and we still toy with ideas, we still have moments of like, well, maybe we'll do this, maybe, but just, I felt like this particular project I had such passion for and it, it, that as it was wrapping up or as we were getting to season six, I don't, I'm, it's not as a sense of relief. Like I, I was sad that it was coming to an end. I think in the same way that I had been sad when the series originally came to an end, but it also, I remember having moments of like, wow, we're going to do this. Like that felt really good to me that I was like, we're going to finish this project, this project that has been over two years in our lives. Yeah. That would have been so easy. Like I said, it's super easy to not do stuff. And the, mm-hmm. the idea that like, wow, we're getting to the end game here felt it felt really good to me. So while there was a bittersweet effect to it, it felt like an accomplishment more than anything else. 
Yeah, I know exactly what you mean there. And were there any specific episodes that you guys were going through that you were just kind of like, that's the one to kind of put in the time capsule? Like I said, I haven't listened to it. I edit them and then I would I would tend to listen to them. This was back when I was very paranoid that somehow I was going to put something on the air that was like not wildly was inappropriate, be, which only yeah. wildly inappropriate. And we only ever had one episode that went up that I had to take down and, and fix and put back up so that it did happen one time. But I would tend to listen to the final product the night before or the day before it was going to come out live. And then I would also listen to it the morning that it came out. That was that was it. I've never gone back. So it, I'd be interested now to go back and listen to episodes and, and see if there's one that stands out. Does anything stand out in particular for you, Elise? I have gone back and listened to a few of them just because like recently Mike and I were um, guests on a podcast called the alarmist where Mm -hmm. uh, she goes through and talks about like different tragedies in the world. And we were the guest experts talking about the tragedy of uh, Carrie and big and them not getting married (laughs) uh, and like who we thought was to blame. And it's a, it's a great episode. You can, it's out now. And I went back and like listened to what we had said about the first movie because unlike Mike, I haven't seen everything 4,000 times. So like I sometimes have to remember like, okay, wait, what happens here and what happens there? And, and I have gone back and listened to different things for reasons like that. And I think, I remember, I think it was a lot of the ones in the first season are very special for me. One of my favorite moments is us trying to figure out just because Mike and I went on this journey together, like, there was a location that we couldn't figure out where it was. It was the episode with Miranda and the author, right? And they're like, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember the the actor's name. It's, it's eluding me right now. He was on, but he he and Miranda are making out and Mike and I were both convinced we knew where this location was and we were both wrong. And we spent probably three hours downtown trying to find it. And then the next day I figured it out on google and i facetimed him i called him i texted him i was, I was certain like, someone had died like the amount of like <laughs> missed calls and messages she sent to me like i, I do believe that it included a 911 at one point it did, yeah, I, I, did send, like, I was just so excited so I that. like it's those moments where like i just remember feeling so connected to like what we were doing and having so much fun and even this most recent episode we just did like if if we would have just released what we did you would have thought what is happening here but Mike did such a good job at editing that it actually became a fun episode but we were both running late for work we were hungry we're eating chips we're trying to figure out what to talk about I don't know enough information and I also remember the moments where we got emotional there were a couple times on the podcast where we both like connected to the material in a different way and those are really special as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think more than an episode, I do think of moments. And one of the moments that you sort of talked about earlier was the clown table. I'm supposed to be the expert. I don't, I don't love that word expert because I don't really think that I am, but like, I've seen it so many times when at least I had heard the term clown table. I know that at one point she says, I left it on the clown table. It had never occurred to me that there was a table with a clown on it. Like I had never (laughs) seen the clown. I had never noticed a clown on a table. Ever. It was right. at least like you've seen the, the show a thousand times. And I've you're seen like, it 
right. so many times. <laughs> and then a one time it like, just hit and right. I'm like, a clown table. And yes. when I found your when I found your Facebook page confirming the clown table, it was also a 911 situation text to George. I was like, That's right. Yep. I found the clown table. It's a real thing. There's this amazing yeah, and- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and Elise found it. Like, I didn't even find it. I had, like, I think once again in that thing where I sort of take a lot of things on the series for granted because I watched it when it happened, it didn't even yeah. occur to me to look for it. And the joke has now become, like, they say that, like, New York is the fifth lady. But, like, the clown is the is the sixth lady. Like, that clown <laughs> is in every shot. That yeah, clown now it's is really on is. screen. You can't not see it. It's all that yeah. you can see is the clown. That clown is on in every episode, it feels like. And somehow yes. I had never seen it until Elise pointed it out to me. Yep. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> now that definitely sounds like me you're like i'll watch i'll watch something like about you know 37 different times in a row and cheryl will see something once and just like what's that table over in the back over in to, to the right <laughs> over there and that will just just like i'm not even paying attention to that and so when she did that 911 call and was saying like i found the clown table i was like the hell's a clown table like what's <laughs> so like, yeah, funny yeah Zayden that the ring's on the clown table <laughs> So, so with all of this, all, everything that you guys have done, like going through all these, all these different episodes, all these years and everything of, of working together on this show, what would you say to those who want to get into podcasting? Cause it's really just a wonderful format. What would you say would be the first step that they should take in order to make something as successful as something that you guys have had? Well, I mean, for thing. Yeah. For one thing, do it. Honestly, give yourself a schedule, know what you want the product to be, and then set goals. You have to have a hosting site. You have to know how to set up, have a hosting site. That's then going to like put your product out into all the different structures, which to be 100% honest, I don't know that I've ever been totally accomplished at. Like I I'm pretty good at it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's those little things having you don't have to have a, a thousand dollar microphone, but you have to have a good microphone. You have to have a way to like capture the sound. I, I feel like now I'm making it sound even more complicated than it is, but that's part of it. Like it is a lot of tiny little steps and, and you have to, you have to figure out all those little steps. It's recording, it's editing, it's putting it out in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot of work. And I would just suggest too, it's, it's editing too. It's editing, not only in the sense of like actual editing of, having someone who's good at like the digital part of it, mm-hmm. but like editing the content too. Mike and I were very cautious about how much of our lives were like, these people don't know us yet. When you're built, when you're doing a podcast, it's like a relationship too, like not only with each other, but with the people that are listening. Mm-hmm. And so you can't, they're listening to this podcast because they care about sex in the city. And maybe at the end of season one, they're like, I kind of like these guys too. And so then at that point, it's like, okay, so we can let you in a little bit more about us. But Mike and I were not one of those podcasts that were like, for the first half hour, we're going to tell you about our weekend. And then we're going to go in and tell you about Sex in the City. And I think that those podcasts, like Mike's podcast, Mike and Vanya Can't Not, they do a really great job of even though the podcast is just two friends talking about their lives, they still find a way to bring the listener into it to make you not only care about their lives, but like care about the things that they are talking about. And Mm -hmm. that for me with podcasts is like one of the hardest things to do. 
And that's something that I think we actually did a pretty good job with. But I think just like Mike said, just do the thing. And like, it might not work. And a lot of people might not listen right away. And then you can continue to do it and not, or try something else. Like there are so many like sketch shows I've done for one person in the, like, that's just, that's just how creating goes. And there's so many things I've created that haven't worked out, but this wouldn't have worked out if I hadn't have done all of those other things. Excellent. And make sure you have, like, give yourself a season. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't say I'm going to do one episode and then see what happens. Like, I would say that if like give your, even if it's 10, like give yourself, I'm going to have a 10 season, 10 episode first season or whatever. Like we knew that we had these episodes to cover and mm-hmm. we did it every week. It still sort of, it still sort of baffles me that we did it every week. Yeah. There was never a week that we were like, <laughs> we just couldn't make it work this week. Sorry, everyone. Like yeah. we, we had a schedule and we stuck to it. I think mm-hmm. that's important there. I think that there are other, there are other podcasts that are about the subject where people have sort of commented of like, Hey, We'd like to listen to more, but you haven't posted in a while. And it was really important to us that we not be that, that we be the one that was going to be there every week. And granted, we would take a week off, but we would tell you ahead of time, we'll be off next week. So I think that it's it's good to be reliable. Yeah, it's the longest relationship either of us have ever been in. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> and like, yeah, like Mike said, it's just, it's a, like, give yourself the schedule, do the thing, show up for it, and like, have fun. Like, if you're not having fun doing it, then... Like, what's the point? And also be patient. I knew this. I had to be patient my whole life. When I was 16, my theater director was like, you're going to work a lot as soon as you turn 40. So I've always had this like, all right, someday, someday. And here we are, Mike and I, we did this podcast, started it three years ago. And I think we're getting some of the most attention right now because people are rewatching the show. They're listening to a podcast to like do a rewatch with a lot of people are reaching out to us to talk about the reboot. So it's like, we had no idea when we started this, that this was going to happen. Yeah. And yeah, you're here. Were talking too, about, so. yeah. yeah. And you were talking about numbers earlier. Like we hit the ground running pretty, pretty well. And we had like solid numbers, but it really has been the last few months that we're, that we look and we're like, Whoa, like so many people have have just recently discovered us. So yeah. you just never know. you never know what form it's going to take or when it's going to hit. Absolutely. Yeah. And where can my listeners find you on social media? You can find the podcast at We Couldn't Help But Wonder on Instagram. That's where we're most active. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have a Facebook account too. And we do have a Twitter account, but as Mike says on his podcast with Mike and Vanya can't not, we have a Twitter account. I still don't know exactly why, but we do have, like, I do check the Facebook and the Twitter. But the thing is, is like, if it wasn't for this podcast, I would be a person that would probably not even want to be on social media just because I think it's, it's, there's a lot going on there. So Mm -hmm. I try to just stick to one. So Instagram's the best way to find us, to reach out to us. If you don't do any social media, we love that for you. So you can just email us at we couldn't help but wonder at gmail.com. And then you can find me on Instagram at EV Castle. V as in middle name. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm Mike Jensen, 77. So everyone knows what year I was born. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I really, really hope that all of you who have been listening, that have been thinking about wanting to start a podcast of your own, I really hope you've been able to take what Mike and Elise have, have offered us here. If you want to do it, by all means, do it. But make sure you have your structure. Make sure you 
know, they make sure that you have the passion for what you're what for what you're talking about, that you're not just hate watching something, that you're doing something specifically for those other people that like it too. The life is too short to just be hate watching things. Yeah. You gotta you gotta explore your passions and get it out there. And by all means, if you're not having fun, then what's the point of doing it? So for Elise Castle, for Mike Jensen, and for Cheryl Soroy, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.